Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. to another edition of the Sac City Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world, Aaron, the Mukesia Mukes. And below us, we have your boy, my boy and everybody's boy, the reigning, defending, undisputed, somewhat heavyweight champion of the show or valedictorian of the show. Hey, Keep doing it. hey it's, it's at this <sighs> point, I have to be messed up. Like, I have to. It's on purpose. It's understandable. I already get it. Yeah. He's just doing it on purpose to make me feel some type of way. I'm not going to let it affect me. I'm excited. I'm happy. I'm here. Let's do it. <laughs> but if you think about it, though, if you think about it, you have a bunch of nicknames inside of one nickname. You're the reigning. That's one nickname. The defending. Somewhat heavyweight. The valedictorian. That's four <laughs> nicknames. That's four nicknames are, right those there. Those are adjectives. Really? Yeah, I I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I would call raining an adjective. The more is a share with yeah. a lot of people. <laughs> well, okay, I'll I'll get better at my uh, English language we'll and all it. that. Yeah, we'll work on it. Maybe I'll have to go back to school, and they can pass me through right along. Hey, hey, uh, hey, what? hey, hey! You want want to go get that mask? Hey, we talked about getting our masters like last year, man. And now I'm down, man. Like we could be, we could all, Hey, AJ's in it too now. Well, AJ still has some, some days left, but like, but or some time, like, never mind. Forget it. Masters greet. Yep. We're doing it. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 28 of the Sac City podcast. We've got a great show ahead of us. We are going to be breaking down the AFC South and their draft grades. This is our final live show where we're breaking down the NFL draft. If you want to see the rest of the divisions that have not been released, tune into our YouTube page tomorrow where all the clips will be released and you will not miss a second. Gentlemen, I didn't get to ask you this. How goes it, Aaron? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, what day is it? Wednesday? I don't know. I'm losing track of time. Um, yeah, it, you know, I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm good. Things are moving at a, at a rapid pace these last, uh, you know, few weeks, but I'm good. I'm excited. We're going to talk about the schedule release a little bit here to start. And, um, and then I'm kind of sad because this also is the time in the NFL where there's like a lull. There's not much going on. Rookies are going to camp or, you know, rookie camps and all this stuff, but there's not a whole lot of breaking news. We don't get a lot of, lot to talk about, but you know, we're, we're the sex city podcast. We, we will think of things to talk about. Yeah. And, uh, we mentioned it before. We'll have to break out the, the fantasy football pot. Yep. Yep. The NFL might be dying down, but we don't die down. 
I don't know, man. I have a feel the NFL is going to find a way to continue to stay more relevant than they have in the past. I remember when I felt that way about my, you know, NBA, and that was the year Kevin Durant went to the the Warriors, and it just seemed like there was breaking news in that league every day. And since then, I feel like the NFL has stayed more prominent, even in their downtimes. I mean, the last time we thought there was a downtime, um, who was it from the Cardinals that got traded like a couple weeks ago? Not Hollywood Brown. Was it? Was it when it was Christian Kirk? No, sorry. Okay. The last time we thought there was a downtime was then we got the news that DeAndre Hopkins was going to be suspended for six weeks. And then we had all that to talk about for a week. So they'll find a way to keep us having conversations to talk about. I'm not worried. The NFL's got our back. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared. Yeah. I know they, I know they do. I know they do. Yeah. We've got, we've got one more big day though, tomorrow as the schedule gets released and we'll be covering that on our Friday show. Uh, but there was actually some news earlier today, uh, teasing, what is go what is to come tomorrow with the schedule release the easiest and hardest schedules have been noted and let people that have let us know who those teams are and i not only want to talk about that but i want to see you guys' thoughts on how how what does this actually mean like should people actually be caring if someone has the easiest schedule or the hardest schedule so it it was released that the cowboys and the washington commanders have the easiest schedule based on opponent win percentage from the previous year of 462 and the Rams have the hardest schedule at 567 and all those numbers mean whatever, but we're looking at last year's. I want to know you guys' thoughts on how much, how much we should be factoring in or being concerned with who has the easiest schedule and who has the hardest schedule. AJ. I mean, to a point, it doesn't matter because like you said, it was the previous season. I bet going in last year, if you had the Bengals on your schedule, you probably had an easier schedule than somebody who had a more successful team from the year before and the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. So the fact of the matter is we don't understand how these teams are going to come in and perform this season, and that's what matters. Now, if you want to talk about the teams that you know some way or somehow will always be around the mix, you talk about playing the Packers, you talk about playing the 49ers, who always find a way to figure it out. Like things like that, sure, we can you can assess that the schedule may be a little more taxing in some places, but to say outright, based on last year, I don't know that you can absolutely do that when it's the easiest or the hardest schedule. Yeah, this is a conversation that is just that. It's just to have a conversation. Uh, nobody knows who's going to be good this year. Every year we see NFL teams go from being worst to first, uh, not making the playoffs to making the playoffs. And yeah, so you can look at the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Commanders and you can say, okay, they play in an NFC East that hasn't been very good over the past few seasons. They get to go play the NFC North, which has the Bears, the Lions, and you know the Vikings and Packers being the only two really relevant teams there. And then they also play the AFC South, which is the Texans, the Jaguars, the Colts, and the Titans. And we all know how we feel about those teams uh, as much as we've kind of been on them and how they haven't really been as competitive as we've liked. So yeah, you can look at that on, on the surface and say they have an easy schedule uh, versus the Rams who are have a Super Bowl winning schedule. They're playing the number one team in each of those divisions. Um, it's it's something to talk about, but this we don't know. I mean, we're talking about May and June of the calendar year, and in two months, we're going to be looking at these teams completely different. So it's fun to talk about. The schedule re- release is always kind of a fun time. You get to see when rivalries happen. Uh, you start to pick like we do every year. What, what's the record for these teams going to be? We're going to yeah. pick wins. We're going to pick losses. But really, you, it's just something to talk about. You can't really get a good idea of what's going to happen until they play one game. 
And then we start to see, okay, who might have a good team and who might not. So uh, it's fun to talk about, but I don't get overly um, analytical about yeah. what, what's going to be even, easy and what's going to be hard. Even that, though, I mean, we I remember thinking come the end of week two, the Tennessee Titans were just going to be the trashest team in the world because that defense was trash and they were getting thrown yeah. all over the place, which is factual. And then, you know, they turned around and had one of the best five-week defensive stretches we've seen in a while and had their team at eight and two. And they did a lot of this. It was first in the AFC South without Derrick Henry. So, I mean, one of the things we love about football is the parity. So, he's right. To have a conversation – Absolutely. It's fun. We could talk about it. And maybe if we talked about it, like if we played these teams this way last season, what it could look like, you know, kind of how they go back and redo a draft. That would be a cool way to do something like that. But if you're talking and you're expecting a team to have a record this season because of who they played based on last season, you're going to be as wrong as you were when you were trying to <laughs> predict a draft. <laughs> I think I think what we should do in during the down the quote downtime of the NFL offseason I think we should dive into these schedules and actually make like a scale and, and determine the hardest and the easiest schedule based off of some factors that we consider, whether it be like where we rank these teams on like a power ranking scale, Aaron, you're the king of the seven round mock. I'm sure you could dive into all these schedules and, and see what, uh, I, I, like, see who I actually... like the idea. I like the idea of, of doing a, a little preseason based on free agency, the draft power ranking. Yeah. And then, gauge their schedules based on that and not what they finished up yeah. last year because it, 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 we've got to remember it also doesn't include teams that suffered injuries last year so you get a team like baltimore ravens any team that plays them their strength of schedule is going to be less because they weren't as good last year but they're going to be better this year we all kind of perceive that to be the case so uh, yeah. i like that idea and it do, it also doesn't consider travel it's just by by win percentage. So try. I mean, you go like some team. I think I'm pretty sure last year Miami had the London game and then came back and did not have a buy. They played right yeah. after that. So like that's not being considered either when we're when we're looking at the early schedules and saying who has the easiest and who has the strong or who has the the hardest. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of factors that can be thrown in here to determine who actually has the easiest and hardest schedule. And to to AJ's point it might not even matter when the season starts because right. anything could happen. We rode that roller coaster all season long. We'll be doing it again uh, this coming season. You're not going to want to miss a single second of the sack city podcast. AJ, tell them where they can follow us at. I think I know the answer to this one. I, I aced this quiz on occasion. Uh, sack city pod, ladies and gentlemen, you know, the deal head on over to Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and TikTok, where uh, you'll see some wonderful, uh, mostly Aaron Muxuses, a little bit of some Vinny with, uh, Vinny, you got more than nine views yet on that one on that one TikTok? Probably not. You'll have to probably not, probably, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Even myself dabbles a little bit. I got a pretty good one coming on, sadly, just have to reshoot it. AJ, you got one you coming up yet? You got, you got one coming out yet? What? I got it's gonna this, be what? I think it'll be my fifth I think it'll be my fifth on five? TikTok maybe four oh maybe four I could be incorrect but it won't matter because what? after that I'll have a five and a six and a seven but you will never get to see it folks if you don't find at Sac City Pod on TikTok and on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and rock with us day in day out for all your most up-to-date interesting controversial and just correct takes on your NFL and of course ladies and gentlemen it's still not too late. It's about to be too late. So if you haven't done it yet, head on over to bonfire.com 
and get yourself well not, i take that back don't go to bonfire.com go to any one of those damn social media platforms i just told you about you will find it pinned right there for you to grab yourself a sack city shirt help the show grow so we can continue to give you all the wonderful content you know sack city pod baby this guy unreal and i mean you can go to it, it, the the link is not that hard you can just go to bonfire.com slash sack shop sack city that's it bonfire.com slash shop sack city and that's it that's all you got to do the shirt will be there and when you go to check out after you're done supporting us use that promo code hashtag or not hashtag sack draft <laughs> At checkout to save 10% off. We are trying to help you save some money. We're not trying to rob you guys blind, but the shirt is dope. You're not going to want to miss out on this exclusive offer and this exclusive limited edition shirt from our inaugural Sac City draft coverage, which was special. Aaron and I started counting up the uh, the hours and all the things that have went into it. Friday, we will release the grand total of all the hours and work that went into the show, the show's and uh, it'll it'll be interesting. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, said, we do enjoy what we do. You said thirty hours at one point. I, in my head, I was like, "Ain't no damn way." That's it. I was like, "It's yeah, gotta no. be like well over that." <laughs> yeah, we are we are well over that. The numbers are are astronomical to the point where Aaron sent me his his basically his time card, and uh, I thought it was a typo. So just know that it's like it's like telephone numbers uh, at this point of what like the hours and the graphics and the videos and everything that went into this. So it's it's wild. It's great. It's going to be a good time on Friday's show where we're going to break down the schedule release as well. But tonight we're doing the AFC South. And if you are new to the show or this may be your first time watching one of our draft recap specials, we break it down by grades. And also at the end of the show, we break it down by a total GPA. We're doing the AFC South tonight. And where else to start at the top? The team that probably made the biggest noise, the most noise after at this draft is Tennessee Titans, headlined by Traylon Burks, Roger McCreary, and Malik Willis at quarterback in the mid-rounds. This draft was interesting for the Tennessee Titans with the trade of AJ Brown of the Eagles, then replacing him with Traylon Burks. I feel like that's where we got to start gentlemen, Aaron, what were your overall thoughts on Titans draft, including the massive trade that sent AJ Brown to the Eagles? Yeah, it started there. The, the trade was very perplexing. We talked about it on draft night. We've talked about it since then. You're trading a, a, a talent like AJ Brown, who's been, highly productive in that offense in a, in a limited role. Really. When you talk about their offense being so heavily relied upon uh, Derek Henry and that play action game, he doesn't see the targets Some of the top receivers see in the NFL. And then you, you get a guy that's that productive. And then all of a sudden you decide to trade him because you don't want to pay him. And regardless of what the Tennessee Titans front office is saying about how there were some things they, you know, didn't work out and they wanted to give him the money, but they couldn't. Um, I don't buy it. I think it was a matter of them saying, you know what? We don't want to pay this receiver this money, and we're going to go out and we're going to draft one of these guys that we feel like can come in and do things that A.J. Brown does for far less cheaper. And, and to me, that was a big mistake. You I, Look, I'm not saying Traylon, Bar Traylon Burks is not a guy who can't come in and play in the NFL or be a good receiver, but he's unproven, where A.J. Brown has already proven. Traylon Burks played in an offense in Arkansas. He's only really been productive for one season, this is not a guy that has come out and been shining for three years in the SEC. It's been really one really solid year. And then we're like hoping 
he turns into AJ Brown 2.0, which AJ has said a number of times. Why not just stick with the guy you already have in a team that won the AFC last year? You don't have time to wait for Traylon Burks to adjust and develop into an NFL receiver. Who's to say he's going to come in right away and understand route concepts, understand this play action game, understand uh, these option routes that they have to run. We don't know that he's going to come in right away and have that impact. I, I just felt overall Tennessee was kind of, I don't like using this word because they're, they're smart guys there. They were kind of clueless. They didn't yep. look like they had a plan and it looked like every pick, everything that happened on draft night. And since then, Mike Vrabel hasn't looked happy. And that front office doesn't look like they knew what this was going to happen. And they looked confused. And to me, that's just bad business for an NFL organization that doesn't have an idea of what they are going to do going into such a big event. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, you and I have, the grade on the trail on Burke's pick. You have it at a B. I have it at a B minus AJ. You have it at an A minus What went into your thought process on grading the trail on Burke's pick? Did, did you think about the AJ Brown trade at all? Or was this purely yeah. on trail on Burke's? No, I actually thought about this a lot and everything when it came to the Titans. And the fact of the matter is you traded away AJ Brown. You now have, even with Robert Woods coming in, you have You now have an immediate need at the position. And they went out and got a guy that, while there's still questions, at that point of the draft, the receivers that were left that could go in the first round were going to have questions anyways. So you had an immediate need, and you went ahead and you got it. You got a guy who you hope you can teach to do some of the things A.J. Brown did. Now, you're also hoping that he possesses some of the traits that you can never teach a football player to have. That's just instinct. That's just God-given talent. And you're hoping Traylon Burks can bring that along. So I gave him an A- minus because they had the need. They went out and got it. And, you know, we talked about the Titans draft a lot. And while we talked about how the Titans were losing the offseason, looking back at this draft, I don't think it's as bad as we kind of let on for it to be. Don't get me wrong. It's not great. You can tell that, like Aaron said, the Vrabel wasn't happy. The front office looked confused. There's reasons that this wasn't a great draft. But it's not as bad as we say it was. And I think we did that because of the A.J. Brown trade. Losing a piece like that hurts. I think the other thing about this draft that has really started to come apparent is that Ryan Tannehill, his days are numbered. And, you know, and that can be said by the Malik Willis trade or the Malik Willis draft when we got him in the third round. Now, of course, Tannehill's probably still going to play this season. Tannehill may play next season. But there's also a really good chance that Malik Willis shows why a lot of people were chirping about him going in the first round. He has the measurables. He has the athletic profile. He has a beautiful deep ball. He can play the game. He just has to learn it. This is a guy who put up 47 touchdowns and over 5,000 yards when he was finally given the chance. Sure, it was at Liberty, but he also put them on a national scale. Um, so looking at Malik Willis, looking at Traylon Burks, it's very sad and very confusing that a team that was first in the division, you could seriously talk about as if they are looking like they're going to be in a rebuild, if not this season, next season. Uh, that's kind of where I stand on the Titans as a whole for right now. Yeah. So with that Malik Willis pick though, I mean, like this is this draft, I mean, coming into this draft, we were thinking, okay, the Tennessee Titans, uh, I believe I'm pretty sure we all said, it. I know I definitely said it before the draft. I was like, okay, this is this, this Titans draft has to be a, a, a draft where we see them getting picks so they can compete in a very tough AFC. Whereas everything else, it seemed like are all the actual picks were them looking forward and moving forward and building towards the future rather than living in the now, including the Malik Willis pick. Aaron, what are your, what were your overall thoughts on the Titans draft? Not just including now the trail on Burke's pick, but everything else. 
Yeah, I, I kind of disagree with AJ. I don't really like it. I wasn't overly enthused with some of their picks. The Roger McCreary pick kind of confused me. Um, I thought there were better defensive backs there at that time. I believe he was taken 35th overall. Uh, I thought there were better defensive backs there at that time. Um, and then also the Nicholas Petit Fury pick, it's about where I expected him to go. Um, I thought they would look more for somebody that can play inside a little bit better. Um, they don't really have any guard depth. I thought they might want to go there. Maybe he can move inside, but he's more of a traditional tackle. Um, and then the Malik Willis pick. Look, I think they just went value there. I don't think they had an idea of coming in and taking a quarterback because I don't think they thought Malik Willis would drop that far. So the fact that he did and they snatched him up, to me, it was more like, hey, let's get some value here for a position that we may be looking to replace in the next year or so. Uh, so I thought that pick was, was good. I, I did think that was a good spot to take him at, but they had so many other holes that I don't think they filled. We talked about the linebacker position. They waited until the seventh round, which I actually thought it was, or the sixth round, which I actually thought they got a decent player and a chance Campbell, but they still have to worry about that linebacker depth. They have some offensive line issues. Edge rusher is still an issue for them. Trying to get to the quarterback is going to be a problem. Um, they, I felt like in the middle, they went from saying, you know what, we're contenders this year to saying, let's play for the future. I thought that with the Malik Willis pick, I thought that with the Traylon Burks pick after the trade, and I thought that with the Hassan Haskins pick trying to replace perhaps a Derrick Henry in a few years, I thought they switched up their plan, and they they no longer were saying, we can win now. They were saying, we are playing for the future. I wanted to just clear some things up. Uh, Aaron, you did say a lot of wonderful, fantastic things. I'll probably address a few of them and forget some of the ones that I meant to. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess what I'm really saying about their draft as a whole, right about – the Hassan Haskins pick, like you kind of just mentioned in the middle, is where I start to go off kilter on their draft. Everything else above that, I'm a fan of. When it comes to Roger McCreary, uh, while you can look at a Kyler Gordon, I know you love Andrew Booth, and I do think he's going to be good. I don't think he's as good as some people had him in this draft. I like Roger McCreary for this squad. They have the guys like uh, Caleb Farley, who's a playmaker on the ball. Now they get a Roger McCreary who can be physical, who's lengthy to an extent, and can have some good ball skills here and there. You can't always measure, and I know you know this, you can't always measure the talent of a quarterback by numbers in production because if you're a good enough quarterback, your numbers may look low because quarterbacks know better. Speaking of quarterbacks, we talked about Malik Willis falling because everybody happened in the first round. But when you really sit back and think about it, being drafted in the third round of the NFL, it's a very impressive feat. We're talking about 600-plus FBS colleges in 32 NFL teams. Some people never sniffed the NFL, and we're talking about a quarterback that got drafted in one of the prime rounds of the NFL in Malik Willis. I also don't think they planned on getting a quarterback, but we talked about this before the draft. We thought they were a prime team to go out and grab a quarterback if the value was sitting there, and I don't think they could have gotten a better value knowing they had a guy in place in Ryan Tannehill that can take their team this year and then getting a Malik Willis to be ready to come in and possibly take their franchise to the next step when the time comes. So that's kind of to kind of clear up where my thoughts were when I say a good draft and liking the pick of Malik Willis. I'm slightly confused on Hassan Haskins, but that that could be for another day. <laughs> I like Hassan Haskins as a, as, as the as, as a, a running back. Like I like him as a player. It's just again with this. I think we have to now just pivot as as like how we're judging now the Tennessee Titans. Like we can't judge the Titans now on wanting to compete in the AFC. Maybe Titans fans are going to comment on this YouTube clip and say, oh, we're still in it. I don't know how we're not in it because we still have a good defense and where we were at last year or whatever. But 
maybe maybe we have to start looking at this draft and and as as what take it as it as what it is it's moving towards the future yeah it's it's moving like why they just won the afc last year like they won the afc in the regular season they were the number one seed without derrick henry for the majority part the major part of that season why do you go and trade aj brown why do you then all of a sudden shift this focus to me it's like everybody else went out and did so much in free agency the tennessee titans looked at the roster and said oh yeah last year was a fluke we're not going to be able to do this again because we couldn't even get it done in the playoffs like that's what i feel i feel like they don't even believe in their own squad and to me after being the number one seed in the afc that's a shame like to to just allow a player like aj brown and it started there and i think obviously that's what rippled into the draft uh but this is the same team that, again, number one seed. Two years ago, you pay Ryan Tannehill. And now all of a sudden, oh, I don't, I don't believe in this team anymore. That's what it shows me. It shows me that they really don't believe in the talent they have on that roster. You do, know what um, do you guys think they should have or could have gotten more for A.J. Brown? That pick right there and then the 101 pick in this year's draft is all they got for A.J. Brown. No, probably not because of the money round. that the team, a team was going to have to pay. Um, so you look at, you look at the outside of like Tyree kill, who's, who's proven a lot more in this league, uh, Devonte Adams, like those guys have been the top level receivers having to pay that receiver 25 million a year is part of that compensation. We have to take into consideration. So they don't have to pay that 25. They still get the first round pick and then an extra pick on top. It's about what you would pay for a guy like that because they also think Traylon Burks is going to be that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, again, it's just a matter of do we really believe that Traylon Burks is going to come in and have that impact that AJ Brown has? I'm sorry. I was, I don't see it out of all the receivers that came in the first round that went, we're talking Jameson, even Chris Olave, like Traylon Burks is, is to me a very bust candidate. He's a, he's a big time bust candidate for me, especially in that offense. Um, yeah. Poor Tennessee fans. Poor Tennessee <laughs> Oh, Tennessee listens to the Sac City pod. They knew it was a fluke. <laughs> hey, we've been calling it for we've been calling it for a year now. Like this team is not as good as their record showed last year. They weren't the number, they weren't as talented as the number one seed in the AFC. Um, yeah. and this this is going to take a huge step back for them uh, as the AFC only gets stronger and they're getting it. Yep. Yep. Uh just a just a little hypothetical here. Just entertain me here. Uh we saw the New Orleans Saints trade up with the well, I believe their original trade was with the Commanders, right? To select Chris Olave. Um, if you and then they ended up trading back even further. But if you're the Tennessee Titans, do you like would you have like Washington Commanders trade for AJ Brown, give up that first round pick, and then you go up and get a Chris Olave instead of Traylon Burks? But I know that you're not a fan of can Chris Olave. So. Can I be honest? Can I be honest? Where what Tennessee did, I don't have a problem. If they traded A.J. Brown, that's the route they were going to go. I don't have a problem with it. I don't think you draft Traylon Burks there. This, yeah. this is what I remember when I said you give up, you fill or you give up a hole and then you feel the need to get that hole right then and there. Do you give up your receiver? So you draft the receiver. I would have rather had them take the best available player in a different position and then spend a later draft pick on a receiver and say, that's who we're going to look to fill that void. We've already addressed it with Robert Woods. We got uh, Austin Hooper in the offseason. Maybe we like um, Westbrook Aquino a little bit. That way, everything Traylon Burks does now, guess what? It's going to be compared to A.J. Brown. Yeah. 
And it's going to put more and more pressure on him to be great. And I'm not saying he can't, but that's so much harder as a player. I just think I would have gone a different route because all I see, and I can't get rid of it, is Traylon Burks has now has to be A.J. Brown or better, or I'm going to be like, you lost. Simple as that. Yep. It is unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Uh, Titans fans, let us know what you think uh, in the comments below. We play for bravery. We play for big hearts in tiny bodies. We play for the fighter within. We play for life reclaimed, disease in remission, stories rewritten. We're Children's Hospital of Richmond at VCU, and we nurture the champion in every child. We fight the forces that threaten them, and we play to win. Learn how at chrichmond.org. Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today, only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. We're going to move on now to the Indianapolis Colts who kicked off their, really, their their draft with the I guess it wasn't kicking off their draft. They traded for Matt Ryan. They got their quarterback in place. Now their draft consisted of this big three, Alec Pierce, Jelani Woods, and Bernard Raymond, who I I guess I'll just jump into this right away. You guys know how I felt about Raymond uh, before the draft. I called him my bust because I thought he was going to go in the first round. Well, that kind of changed, to be honest. And I graded that in A because you get, an offensive lineman with a first round talent and the potential to be that type of player in the third round. I mean, Raymond was incredible at, at, at central Michigan. I, I shouldn't say incredible because I was, I was dogging him at one point, but this pick is such is honestly one of the best value picks in the draft because of the guy, this guy's ceiling. He can be an all pro tackle in this league. And we talk about how special the Indianapolis Colts offensive line has been in the past. I think they just got even better with selecting Bernard Raymond in the third round. I, I think this is a really good pick for the Indianapolis Colts. The one of the best value picks in this draft. And I know with my grade, I had it. I, I called him a bust before the draft, but giving him an A as the 77th pick is just, it's perfect in my opinion. Yeah. It, I don't think you're a bust when you're, when you're projected possibly to go in the first round, somebody calls you, that would be the biggest bust. And then you drop to the third round where you're probably should be going anyways. Um, I think that you can almost start to look at that as a steal, right? Somebody that, again, people were talking talking about him going in the first round. So um, pretty high, too. Yeah, I, I I have no problem with it. I I think when I mocked him, I had him going to Pittsburgh in the second round. So now you're talking about third round. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's a win there, and especially for a team that's lost Mark Lewinsky. That's lost some offensive line help. I think he'll, he'll be a nice addition to, the, to what they're trying to do there, especially in a run heavy offense. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's let's go deeper into this draft here. Well, actually, not even deep. It's their first pick in the second round, selecting Alec Pierce and AJ. I'm going to throw this one up for you because, well, you are the Cincinnati Bearcat guy on the show. Alec Pierce is a Bearcat and you gave that one a let's see here. 
You gave that one an A. You, wow, it's just four straight A's right off the jump for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, what what does Alec timing. Pierce bring to the table for the Indianapolis Colts? Gives, uh, gives Matt Ryan a downfield target. I mean, I know Michael Pittman's talented. Don't get me wrong. I know Paris Campbell's fast. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but what Alec Pierce does best, if anything, is to step on that line, beat the receiver, and then stack them all – or beat the cornerback and then stack them all the way down the sideline. Uh, he, he puts the quarterback in an easy position when they have to make a throw. It's not very often he's going to be somewhere where the quarterback's forced to do something dangerous. And let's be honest, Matt Ryan, well, now he has a line, maybe he won't. He'll sometimes put up a dangerous ball and throw it. So um, Alec Pierce just physical, fast, 6'3", and explosives off the break. I think it was, what, like 13 or 14 catches of over 20-plus yards last season. He's a real deal deep ball threat. Uh, I would, I, You know, when I originally thought about the Colts, I thought they needed a gadget type of player. Uh, but they felt differently. They went and got another big body type guy. Uh, so now everyone kind of seems to be going that physical route, you know, having Michael Pittman, 6'4", 6'5", large catch radius on one side, Alec Pierce, wherever you line him up, whether it be at the two or in the slot to see if he can beat a receiver across the middle and take it up, 6'3", 205, 210, and explosive. You know, that's the route they kind of go. So I like I like the Alec Pierce pick. It's a good talented receiver, especially where you got him. And at that point in time, there was a little bit of a run on receivers anyway. So he kind of fit in right. He kind of got in right where he fit in, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I like I, the potential is there for the Colts with Alec Pierce. Aaron, you liked a certain mid-round pick for the Colts. Uh, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, for me, it was Nick Cross. Um, I loved the addition of them going out and getting a Stephon Gilmore to add to that secondary. Um, kind of the weakest part of their team has been kind of their pass rush at times, but they've, they've kind of beefed up that defensive line. Obviously they have Darius Leonard in the center. They add Stefan Gilmore. And now you add a guy like Nick cross. Um, this is a Maryland safety. You were talking about a guy who runs four, three, four, he's physical, quick trigger, knows how to diagnose the run. And is that they, they all, they say all gas, no breaks. Like this dude is going to play at a speed on the field that a lot of players just aren't playing with. He loves to get physical, can tackle really well. I think he is the type of player that is going to help the Colts defense take that next step. This was already a really good defense last year. I believe they led the league in turnovers last year. This is another kind of player that's going to be a playmaker on that side of the football. And for a team that I will say it, I felt like they were a quarterback away from probably doing some damage in the postseason because Carson Wentz was the guy. Now you go get a Matt Ryan. I think with the addition of the defensive player, adding an Alec Pierce, who's a big time playmaker. I really like what the Colts did in this draft. Um, for the limited amount of draft capital that they had, especially we're not talking about high draft picks, no first rounders. Um, the second rounder was 53. So it wasn't at the top of the second round. They addressed need. They went wide receiver. They went tight end. They went offensive line and then they went secondary with their first four picks. I thought those were positions of need and they got really good players. Uh, but Nick cross is going to be an impact in that secondary. I, I truly believe that, um, it's going to it's going to help them this year, especially in the NFC South or AFC South. Sorry, that's up for grabs. Yep. Yep. AJ, what's your uh, what's your dislike with the uh, with the big tight end uh, selection in the later rounds of Andrew Ogletree? I just don't understand. I don't get it. I mean, I get that you lost Jack Doyle, but guys like you and I, we've been watching Gigantor come along. And if they yeah. didn't like Gigantor, a.k.a. Mo Alley-Cox, they went ahead and got a second one in Jelani Woods with their second pick in round three. Jelani Woods is six foot eight, like 260, and has, can catch the ball. Finally got his chance at Virginia Tech scoring, I think, double-digit touchdowns last year after spending three years as a blocker. 
So he's almost a full package. He can block as a bookend tight end very well because he's done it for three years and he can catch and he's a giant target in the in the uh, end zone. Then you go and you get a guy in Andrew Ogletree and sure, it's a six round, say what you will. But we're talking about a guy who's 6'5", 260 and has never found a way to produce even at the FCS level. I think it was something weird like uh, I think he had three touchdowns over uh, he had 10 touchdowns, 785 yards over three over three seasons. Even if you want to get him as a blocker on the FCS level, he had problems like that. I would have rather seen them go a different route, even if you're getting depth pieces somewhere else. I mean, if you want a blocker, uh, Jamari Salyer, the, the guard from Georgia, went two picks later. Cade Mays from Tennessee, the tackle, went about five picks later. There was other places I think they could have gone there. If you really needed a tight end that you wanted to come in and block, I mean, you could address that in undrafted area after the draft was done, in my opinion, and found some guys who were a little bit higher up on draft boards, a little bit more talented, so to speak, uh, at that pick. So I just didn't think they needed to go there. I think they could have done some other things. And if you were going to go there, I mean, Grant Calicatero was like four picks later, you know, <laughs> and he was somebody everyone toted up a little bit higher. Well, they just paid like- Mo Alley Cox. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that. They just literally signed him to like a three-year extension. You bring in a Jelani Woods. The only thing I can think of is, again, maybe they feel like they needed some depth at the position um, because of the Jack Doyle. They didn't really have anybody else on the roster. Uh, I believe maybe a Grant, like a Kyle Grant, Kylan Granson or something like that, but not a lot of depth there on the roster outside of a Mo Ali Cox and Jelani Woods. So maybe this was more of a depth pick, best available type at the sixth in the sixth round if they thought that's where he belonged. But I agree with AJ. I didn't. Yeah, I, I was not a fan of that pick as well. It, to me, I mean, it's they like the big tight ends, I guess. And you just give yeah. give Matt Ryan as many weapons as you possibly can. You know, that's yeah. Or, or perhaps, perhaps maybe it's like, hey, let's draft two of them, because if Jelani Woods doesn't pan out, maybe we need to take yeah. another shot at the guy I, I, there. It's it's the old Robert Griffin, the third Kirk Cousins draft, right? Take one yeah. early and take one later and maybe that first guy that's supposed to pan out doesn't and you have somebody in yeah. reserve there but uh, if you feel like you don't have a lot of holes else but for a team that like for, for a team that um for a team that's battling for that high that hierarchy of the afc the team that's battling in the afc that is up there with i mean you're trying to you're trying to keep pace it's a, it's an arms yeah. race we talk about it all the time would you rather them take a pick on a position that's not I mean, it's a sixth round, so you have I mean, to factor that in. But like, they have very few needs. The Colts really okay. have very few needs. We talk about weapons. They addressed it with Alec Pierce, um, and they addressed it obviously with Jelani Woods. Offensive line, they needed to beef up. They did that. They did address that. Every pick that the Colts took was a position of need coming into the, the offseason. The rest of their team, running backs, you know, defensive line for the most part, um, linebackers, they're pretty set there. They they. They've addressed these in offseason free agency. I think they just said, these are the positions we need to get better at. So we are going to take these positions. And um, yep. I'm not mad at that for a team that doesn't really right. have a whole lot of glaring holes. Yep. Okay. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Let's move on to the Houston Texans. But before we, before we do that, and I promise I'll make this perfect for you, Aaron, uh, Joey B eat shit. Uh, also, <laughs> also, it's the Houston Texans. We're going to dive into what they did in this year's draft headlined by Derek Stingley Jr. With that top five pick followed up by Kenyon Green and Jalen Petrie. I mean, the Houston Texans really did a very good job 
arguably the best in the NFL, best draft out of all the NFL teams. Aaron, what made you so in love with what Houston did uh, in the draft? Where do I start? I, I honestly don't even know where to start. This is a team that traded away their franchise quarterback. And anytime we talk about teams trading away a franchise quarterback, you're probably looking at a huge rebuild. And that's exactly what Houston is doing. They're rebuilding. It starts at the top. They didn't waste any time. They saw a player that can be franchise a franchise cornerstone in their back end, and they got him at Derek Stingley Jr. This is a guy I talked about being arguably the best player in the draft when healthy. And I know he doesn't have all the experience in the world uh, at LSU because of some injuries, and a lot of it's just based on his freshman tape. This dude and his workout just stands out. He pops off the tape. He is a playmaker. He is going to be a legit elite cornerback in the NFL. So they went and got him first. Then they kind of follow that up. And they said, you know what? We're not done yet. We're going to go out and get one of the best offensive linemen in this draft. One of the more versatile offensive linemen in this draft in Kenyon green. And then may, perhaps my favorite pick who AJ kind of told me about and kind of got me on board with the most was Jalen Petrie, a very, very versatile defensive back who can add to that Derek Stingley pick and play multiple positions, nickel corner slot safety can come back and play around the line of scrimmage. He is going to be around the football and he is going to be a difference maker on a defense that let's be honest, has been atrocious for a number of years now. So I felt like they just addressed, they had so many holes that they can go out and get the best available player. And I will let AJ talk about those middle rounds where they killed it as well. Some of the players we talked about pre-draft, but I thought they went out, they got addressed need, but also got explosive playmakers at those positions. And I thought it was big. Honestly, yeah, Jalen Petrie is one of my favorite picks from them at the timing because it showed that they were serious about what they were getting ready to do. They understand what they needed to enter. And after getting a Derek Stingley, you took a look at what you were lacking last season. And forget about the surprising wins that they got over top-notch teams at great times. They understood they needed help on defense, and they went and got it. And talk about a balanced draft. Defense, offense, defense, offense, defense, offense. And you're getting needs everywhere you need to. I love the Christian Harris pick. I know he left a lot to be desired at Alabama, so to speak. But leaving a lot to be desired at Alabama is killing it damn near anywhere else. And the Houston's get uh, the Houston Texans get this guy right up front. Some guy, a guy who can who can get some pressure on the quarterback, who's mean, who's nasty, who can hit, and who likes to hit. So I really enjoyed that pick. Um, I don't know if we have any Damian Pierce B-roll, but that running back choice was a solid, solid pick. After losing out on a Brees Hall by the Jets who jumped in front of them, you go and get a Damian Pierce from Florida who I think had, a, what was it? I think it was 1,000 yards on like 400 carries, something like that. I definitely botched that stat. But either way, he had some serious production. It was around five, it was around five yards per carry was a production he was putting up. So to come in and excuse me, to come in and balance your draft the way they did. Uh, I don't think we talked about the Houston Texans draft enough. I mean, look at me. It was six A's in a row before I found a reason to give somebody a C. Uh, so all the way down. And I know, I know, Vinny, you're just salivating about them picking John Mechie. So, uh, you know, if, well, if you mean, want one more piece. yeah. Well, I mean, you look at it, and obviously for me being the biased Alabama fan, I love seeing John Mechie, and then you follow that up with Christian Harris. But as a football analysts that we are in the position of i mean those are two great picks for a team that you look at all they had a ton of holes i mean this is a team that that needed everything basically coming into the draft besides a handful of things they end up getting our they had the ability to take best position available at the time 
and it'd be, it'd be perfect for their team. John Mechie, best available at the time. Christian Harris, best available at the time. Damian Peace, Pierce, best available at the time. And you look at that pick of, of the Damian Pierce, you're like, they have so many running backs on that team of Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack and the rest of the just washed away running backs. You now have someone who can come in and if he if he struggles, it's okay. You have tons of running backs. But if he does good, you've taken you've now taken a shot. We've seen so many times running backs in the middle rounds become super. I mean, you look at like the Alvin Kamara's and it's a position where it's easy. It's I don't want to say easy to find, but it's like more likely you find a diamond in the rough at the running back position in the middle rounds than any other position, in my opinion. And that's what the the Houston Texans could have could have here with a Damian Pierce. He might be able to take that thrown away from a Marlon Mack or a Rex Burkhead, who's going to have 34 points in fantasy in week seven of the football <laughs> season, just to screw everyone over. Um, but I mean, yeah, we talk about it, guys. This is the Houston Texans. They 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 did a fantastic job in this draft, but I have one question comparing it. The New York jets also had one of the best drafts in the NFL. And we've put the, these two teams, I feel like are right up there as the two best drafts uh, th this year. Do you think Houston gets the edge or would you still give it to the New York jets? Because I mean, the jets didn't have that many picks and they're very top heavy, but then you have the Texans who had more picks all around who gets the edge. I think, I think, I think you're looking at a couple of different situations here. I lean towards the jets because I'm going to go with mm -hmm. the guys that could have basically drafted three top 10 players. And we talked about that uh, being a sauce Gardner, uh, a Garrett Wilson, and then a um, Jermaine Johnson. I'm going to go with the, the fact that I believe those are three top 10 players in this draft and you got them. So maybe the depth at, that Houston got was more impressive but I also think the Jets are a little bit closer than Houston. Like, I, I know Houston has some good pieces there, but I think the Jets are close to being a quality football team. I feel like I, I really like their coach. Now it's year two with the Zach Wilson. So they've already identified who they want to be their franchise quarterback. I think Houston still may be questioning Davis Mills, but they're going to give him a shot. So I, I really like what the Jets did there. I would lean New York. But again, we've talked about Seattle had a really good draft. Baltimore had a really good draft. Uh, Detroit, who we're going to talk about on our YouTube clips, had a really good draft. I still lean towards the Jets because anytime you can get top three top 10 picks, yeah, give me that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. They, they, their draft went from uh, not having the players last year and the injuries and the defense to being a team that we're talking about contending for their division. While Houston did a good job, they're at the beginning. Now, who knows? Maybe they, they, maybe they put on a good enough show this season that they feel the need to go out in the offseason and fill a couple holes that they found this year. And then you look back on this draft and that was the foundation that laid it. When you look at the Jets and you talk about they had less picks, you really look at the Jets and the Houston Texans, their draft stopped being good about the same spot. So it really kind of evened out. And uh, with, the, with the Jets, the guys that they got come in immediate day one starters. And you can say that for the Houston Texans to about right after John Mechie. Yeah. And I, I think, and, and this is, and, and, us saying this, it really has no, we are not knocking what the Houston Texans did in this draft. Texans fans, you guys should be proud and very excited for what is to come uh, in Houston. I think, I mean, there's, it, it's special. And, and you think about it too. They have all those picks. They, they still have more picks to come in the future years. If Davis Mills isn't your guy, 
you still have all those picks to be able to possibly land a star quarterback next year. And you have that talent. That's the thing. They, they really, that was one of the benefits of not going all in on a quarterback this year is because you now have rounded out your team. And next year you can take a shot at your quarterback. If Davis Mills doesn't pan out, which it's still possible that he's the guy in Houston. Uh, but be excited. Houston fans. You've got a good squad on the way. Hopefully last, Hopefully. but not least in the AFC South is the Jacksonville Jaguars who had the first overall pick highlighted by Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd. And I put Chad Moom on here just for you gentlemen, because we had a big debate, a big conversation about Chad Mooma. It's where I learned that I am just going to keep my mouth shut for Jacksonville Jaguars talk. And I'm going to let you guys roll into it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I will, I will be choosing my words very wisely tonight when talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars to make sure that I don't get called uh, too emotional or uh, what other <laughs> other nonsense you guys have have called me for being a Jags fan? Uh, I will now try he understands and take what this. describing words are, not nicknames. Good, yeah, I'm it. just Good. Gonna, I'm just backing <laughs> off here. So so we'll start off with you, AJ. What were your overall thoughts of this Jacksonville Jaguars draft? Good start. Uh, you know, you guys took a. Uh, a good flyer, I guess, is the best way to say it. I mean, he's got the upside. Trayvon Walker's athletic. He wasn't the guys everyone thought would go first, but I really like the pick, and I think he can do some things that Aiden Hutchinson can't. Uh, solid follow-up with Devin Lloyd. If this was your draft last year, you know, you, you put Trevor, Trevor Lawrence and then Devin Lloyd, you guys are just shooting for the stars, you know? Uh, I really like their first four picks all the way down to Chad Muma. I don't know what the hell y'all were doing in round five. Did, did, did the loss of Dara Agumba Wale really hurt that much that you had to go out and get a running back in round five? And if you were going to do it, you went with Snoop Connor. I, I, I'm hoping you can explain this to me because Snoop Connor is not a guy that excites me in any way, shape, or form. This may be the gem that you were talking about you can find in the later rounds. We're talking about a guy that never had a 1,000-yard season. If I'm not mistaken, his, his highest yard season was 670 yards. Now, granted, he was able to get to the touchdown like 13 times that season, but it still leaves a lot to be desired. I, I mean, I, with the power that you're going to get uh, from whose name I'm real, James Robinson, from the, the quickness, the shiftiness, the breakaway speed you're going to get from Travis Etienne, uh, from the power and the goal line guy of Rick or Ryquell Armstead, I don't know where Snoop Carter fits in. I feel like there, again, were so many other places you can go. We talked about how much y'all really needed to go. Uh, with the offensive line, and you got a center in Luke Fortner, but again, Cade Mays was still there at a tackle. Jamari Slayer was still there at a guard. Those are two big team guys that you can get. And if you really, really wanted a running back, my guy Jerome Ford from Cincinnati went two picks later, and he damn near had more yards last season than Snoop Connor had in his entire career. So it just was a baffling pick for me. Um, you know, I hope it works out for you. I, you know, I kind of sort of truly do the Florida in me truly does, but that pick kind of baffled me. Everything before that way to go guys. I'm proud of you. I can't believe we spent that much time on, on Snoop Connor. Um, his name's Snoop. <laughs> I mean, yeah, look, this, this draft was, this draft was really about two players. It was about Trayvon Walker, the first overall pick who I'm tired of people like even the reluctancy of AJ, like they're coming out with, well, a, a good flyer or whatever. Like, what? why are we justifying the first overall pick? This dude is a physical specimen, and all we can focus on is the level of production at Georgia. 
When is somebody going to go down and actually break down Georgia tape and realize that they don't have high-level production players on that defensive line? That includes a Devontae Wyatt. That includes a Jordan Davis. That includes um, a Nicobe Dean, uh, who is a linebacker. It's just the way their defensive scheme is. It's as simple as that. They stop the run. That is what they are geared to do. Trayvon Walker had a job to do, and he did it. So what if he didn't have sacks? We just paid a guy in Denver, Randy Gregory, who only had six sacks last year, $80 million. They paid him as a cornerstone edge rusher because of his physical attributes and his, the way he can win at the line of scrimmage. So I'm, I'm tired of people talking about the production. The fact of the matter is, is I thought Jacksonville had one of the best drafts. You go and you get a guy like Trayvon Walker. You get Devin Lloyd, who's probably the best linebacker in the draft, being able to slot into where Miles Jack was at. You get a center who comes in right away and is going to be a day one starter on an offensive line that is now looking a little bit better. You, you, add, you get Cam Robinson tagged. You get, uh, you know, a Luke Fortner, a Brandon Scherf. You have a Jawan Taylor that's still there. Um, I don't know who the other guard is. Maybe uh, Ben Barch or somebody's probably starting there. But now you're adding pieces to protect Trevor Lawrence. You add a Chad Muma on the linebacking core with a Devin Lloyd, who is a tackling machine. This guy had 142 tackles last year, and that's all he does is make plays. He's not the fastest, but he can cover space really well. He can play in short, he can play in short areas. He's explosive. He's an elite tackler. In the NFL, if you haven't watched lately, tackling is the lost art. People don't do it anymore. You can put him on the defensive line and have him or play really tight to the defensive line and have him kind of stop that edge. This is a player that is going to be a factor on your defense, and you add him next to one of the, again, the best linebacker earlier in the rounds. I think this is a team that is primed to take the next step. I told you I liked what they did in the offseason. You can look at the rounds five, six, and seven. I don't even care about those. Rounds. They address some DBs. Maybe they'll, they'll hit there. Maybe they won't, but it doesn't really matter. What they've done this offseason and the fact that they put the draft, had the number one pick again, and I think hit again, um, is a big, big move for them. And they moved up. Remember, they moved up to come back and get Devin Lloyd, knowing that that was a void they needed to fill. Uh, Jacksonville fans, Vinny, uh, Dylan, all you Jacks fans, a rebuild takes time. It's not always pretty. Sometimes you need to have the first pick for a couple of years. Jacksonville is making the right strides. They got rid of the headache in, in Urban Meyer. They have now a Super Bowl winning coach. Uh, hopefully that organization stands behind him and allows him to do it his way and, and they take the steps in the right direction. I really like what Jacksonville's done. They are the winner to me of this division's draft. Even though I grade Houston's better, I think Jacksonville is the winner because I think Trevor Lawrence is already the guy that's going to be their future versus Davis Mills. You're not sure yet. And I think they put enough around him to take that next. Yeah. I know you don't want to embrace it, but they are. No, 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 are, no, 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 no. I, I will. I think similar to your reaction to the Tyler Smith pick on night one for your uh, Dallas Cowboys was a similar reaction to me watching the Jaguars select Chad Muma. Although I, of course, still wish that it was Nicobe Dean, but obviously we don't know how these two are going to pan out. But as I dove in and look and watch what Chad Muma can do, you bring up his tackling abilities. If you're a Jags fan, how many times did you watch last year? So many missed tackles. Mm -hmm. Not just like we can just say Derrick Henry is 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 still there in the AFC South, and you needed someone to lock him up. That's going to be hard to do. 
but it's not just Derrick Henry that the Jaguars can't tackle. It's just about every single person. Once you get past that D line, you, you the linebackers have had such a, bit, a hard time tackling. There's no like fancy stats to look into for that. Although I'm sure the Jacksonville Jaguars are at the bottom of the, or the top of the league in terms of missed tackles. But I do love the fact that they went out and got a Chad Buma who, I mean, it's, it, it, it's a need the bit, the best pick though, I think, and it might not be the great, the grade that I gave. I, I very, I was tempted to give the Luke Fortner pick an a plus or an a, I still like, like that Lindstrom kid out of Boston college, but you bring in a center here. You, no one's talking about the fact that the Jaguars lost Brandon Linder this past off season. And I know, I know Luke Fortner might not come in and be that instant impact that, that day one starter at center for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he's a person that can develop into your, your starter at center. And for the time being, you can play him at guard instead of a Ben Barch or whoever you throw out in there at the guard position. He's a mauler. He's got a mean streak. He does what he needs to do. He's a solid offensive lineman who you're going to now be able to bring in and help protect your star franchise quarterback. I'm all aboard for this top half of the draft. I don't get the Snoop, the, the Snoop pick. I mean, the Jaguars have two injury. Not, I don't want to say they're injury prone. That's not fair, but you have two running backs who are coming off of a very severe, serious injury that could keep them on the sideline for more time than we want. So bring in a snoop. If you, you could end up having Travis Etienne and James Robinson, both sidelined because of a nagging a- ankle or foot injury. So you don't want How your number you? one running back to be rock Armstead. Okay. So that's that. Well, I, no, I, that. I actually like the, the running back selection itself. Um, you need depth at that position and you're again, it's not heavily invested. So yeah. uh, right. Armstead wasn't even close. I mean, he, there was a chance he wasn't even gonna play football again. Uh, a few years ago. So when COVID started and all that stuff, he caught COVID and it took him a long time to get back. But um, yeah, I mean, Snoop Connor is what it is. He didn't, he didn't get a ton of work at Ole Miss. So that's part of the problem, yeah. right? We didn't, you're only getting a hundred carries a year. He averaged five yards a carry. He was solid, but we don't know yep. a lot about him. Yep. Yep. Let's take a look at the overall, uh, the overall results of our draft grades the GPAs for these teams looks like this. The Tennessee Titans with the lowest at 2.79, which is still not that's that is still passing. That is still a passing <laughs> GPA. That, uh, I would know because it's pretty damn close to what I got at full sale to graduate. <laughs> then the Colts at 3.17. Then you got the Texans at 3.65. The Jacksonville Jaguars at 3.35. I mean, that, that Texans grade, very, very high. Might be the highest. It speaks to the depth. Um, they, I believe they their first five or six picks, we all had uh A's A high like high A's all the way to high B's um as for as far as their grades. So they had a really, really deep draft, really impressed with what they did. Uh, but like I said, to me, the winner of the division was still Jacksonville. Um I believe I had them pretty close side by side, but to me, Jacksonville, the top end of the draft just was super impressive to me. And you know how I'm a big fan of Trayvon Walker, and I think he's going to be a game changer on that defensive side of the football. Field. I think I think that, so I'm looking back at the statistics here, and uh, based on our GPAs, the Houston Texans are the highest graded team in our draft at that three point, what is 3.65. They just edged out the Seattle Seahawks, who were at 3.52. Um, so that is the highest grade that we have given out. Uh, that's, that's also including the teams that are to be released on YouTube tomorrow. Uh, which you guys will have to be locked in 
Sac City Pod on YouTube. AJ, did you have any anything on the GPAs? Or you want to make sure oh, I touch? No. I, I, mean, I, hey, I want to make sure I touch are? you. Okay, good. good. All right. Well, I mean, you don't have to, but that's, <laughs> that's weird. Mean, I, I guess. That's weird. Um, if you want to touch somebody, reach out to the Sac City Pod <laughs> at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Tell us you love us day in and day out. All the wonderful content we put up. We appreciate everybody who rocks with us in the chat. Follow us on these social medias like the Joey B, like the Bailey, like the other two unnamed people who don't want to be in the chat talking with us. Jump in, say hello, drop a line, and then tell everybody how you watched Sac City tonight and you went to Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and you got that like, share, subscribe done. And then tell them about that beautiful post that was right at the top where you got to go to bonfire.com and use that promo code SACDRAFT for your 10% off of that wonderful Welcome to Sac City shirt. The first part of the Sac City merchandise line. Get it now. Get it while it's hot. Get it before we try and change and do something new. It's time to do it. Love the guys. Love the fans. Love what we do. Sac City, baby. We'll be back again live at 8 p.m. Eastern time for another Fun in the Games Friday episode of the Sac City Podcast right here on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. And shout out to everyone watching us on Belly Up Sports TV. We appreciate it so much. For my best friend, Aaron Mukes, and for your boy, AJ Johnson, I am me. We will see you Friday. Peace out. Tired of dealing with the same old lumpy mattress and pillows? Catch some sleep and save on Z's with Casper's Memorial Day Sale. You can save up to $800 on any of our award-winning mattresses. It's a summer dream come true. That's right, you can get up to $800 off Casper's amazing mattresses, like the Wave Hybrid Snow Mattress. For more info, go to casper.com or a store near you. This sale ends June 7th, so hurry over soon. Exclusions apply. See casper.com slash promo for more info. Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today. Only a Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.